Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast, and it's an emergency meeting with Uncle Joe as Gunter Steiner parts ways with Haas F1. So welcome to this emergency shed council meeting. Did he walk or was he pushed? What does this say about the Haas dream? And at its core, is this highlighting the biggest problem with the F1 franchise model? And just why are we so animated about the bottom team changing its coach? Joining us is a man with more experience than God in F1 journalism. It's Joe Saywood. Hello, Joe. Hello. I didn't realise God had any experience in F1 oh, journalism. Oh, he's very, very into F1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's all over the paddock. Uh, renowned as a bit of a gossip, but generally sound. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> anyway, um, there were 27 questions in that first uh, intro. Uh, well, I'll tell so, you what then, let's field the questions from our, our supportive patrons who have got in there to ask you some questions like Paddy. Paddy starts off with, I think, the best question, knowing that you're on friendly terms with Gunter Steiner. Paddy simply asks, is he OK? Yeah, he's fine. Um, I spoke to him yesterday before it all broke and uh, uh, he's he's sort of, you know, he seems pretty calm about it. Um, it seems like you know, the question about jump and push is, is very simple. Um, it seems like it was a mutual decision to go their own ways. Um, I don't seem to be, there doesn't seem to be anyone or the other who was particularly um, uh, the cause of it. I think they just went, well, if you if you don't want to do that, we're going to, I don't want to do that. So, you mm. know, this is what happens sometimes when um, people don't agree on the future um, path that something should be. And you sort of go, well, yeah not going to work anymore is it the, the the most extraordinary thing about it and the reason it's such big news is is because ultimately when you boil it all down Haas is Gunter Steiner it's not Gene Haas um Gene Haas paid for it therefore legally speaking 
um, probably morally speaking as well, whatever, um, it belongs to him. But it was Gunter Steiner's idea and Gunter Steiner made it happen. And so the idea that the uh, there's a famous cartoon in Germany about Bismarck leaving the, the role of chancellor. Um, and it's about the pilot leaving a ship. And that is a little bit how it feels with Haas. The pilot has left the ship and God only knows what's going to happen now. Um, because he was the guy who drove it for effectively 10 years because it was set up from 2014 onwards. Um, and without him, it's going to be a very different kind of ship. Now, what's really interesting is that the technical director, Simone Resta, has left as well. Mm. And that that points to um, a problem that is not just between Gunter and Jean. It's, a, it's clearly more than that. Um, and when you boil it all down, I think the answer has to be that Jean wouldn't invest um, or wouldn't allow others to invest to um, to build up the team, which is need. That's what needs to happen. I mean, Haas is a very strange Formula One team in as much as it's a different business model to everybody else. It was created using the rules in its favour to to buy as much as possible, and you know it bought uh, everything it could, except obviously you can't can't build the you, you can't buy the chassis and you can't buy the aerodynamic surfaces but pretty much everything else came from ferrari and the rules were changed a little bit tweaked i would say to stop it happening again um because you know gunter was very clever the problem with that is that when you're entirely based on somebody else a bit like uh, scuderia alfa tori has been in in, in recent years <clears throat> there comes a point where you have to become a grown-up put on the big boy's trousers and um, and start doing things for your own. Otherwise, you don't have the same value. So, I mean, it was, Soto Sam had asked the, the was he pushed or, or did he walk? And you'll forgive me if I focus in a little bit on the, the drama side of it. I know there's real mm-hmm. human beings involved at the centre, but as, as sort of random F1 fans watching the social medias, it was a random winter Wednesday. The, the timing of this is really odd. So... Presumably, you know, the development is baked in for the new season. So uh, op- it must have been like an operational disagreement. Like, what could they have fallen out about on, on January 11th? I don't think it's a particularly odd date. It probably didn't happen yesterday. Hmm. It probably happened at the start of the week or even before then. Um, it probably stayed quiet for a day or two, I would think. Um, I I think probably it's when... People were coming back. If you look, uh, there was a there was a post yesterday from McLaren saying, "Look, we're back at work, and here are our new people." So Rob Marshall um, and uh, Sanchez, David Sanchez, have joined the team. So you know, you have you you have a a, a sort of new period um, beginning, and it, I think probably um, this predates the new period. Um, this is something that was decided. Uh, well, you know, I just don't want to go on like this. Um, and it, it starts to come out later. So I think that's why it looks that way. Um, I'm not sure there's any great drama in it. I think it's just a sort of conversation. I mean, I know you want to have drama I, in it. Yeah, okay. I, look, you're I a, think it's just is... a conversation. Um, <laughs> of, I've had conversations with Gunter for a long time at races about, you know, are you serious? Are you going to get serious about, you know, making this into a proper team and giving it value? And, you know, why won't Gene sell part of it? And the answer to that is Gene doesn't want to sell it. 
And Gene's had endless offers, people who want to buy it or buy pieces of it. He just doesn't want to let go. And he doesn't apparently seem to want to let go to any of it. Now, if you look at Alpine or someone like that, McLaren even, they've sold off percentages to help them fund things they need to do. And that's the difference. So, you know, if Gene doesn't want to fund it and he won't sell any equity to get the funding to do it, then they're going to stay where they are. And I think that that's why uh, Gunter and Simone have, have done what they've done, because they don't want to be associated with a team that doesn't move forward. Um, because the art of Formula One is all about moving forward. It's not just it's not just sitting there and, in, and being a member of the team, the team, the group, if you like. Um, and, you know, there are people... There are people in the in the NFL in the States, people who own franchises, who just don't put any money and sit around and cruise along and they finish last year after year. And they and you know, there is a there is a sense that they're just passengers. And Formula One doesn't like having passengers, um, because they think that people who are going to be there should be fighting. And I think that that is the the root of this problem. There is a difference in opinion between um Gene, who has the passenger approach, by the look of it, uh, he may believe that they can do it without investing money. That's the other issue you have to bear in mind. I mean, Gene's a very brilliant engineer, um, apparently, in, in the world he does it. He's made an awful lot of money for a bloke who, um, you know, who's just an engineer who's designed fancy machines. Can he come up with miracle cures for Formula One machines? Probably not. Um, and that's, I think, probably where the where the, the center of the dispute is, which is he's working on a business model that's probably out of date, whereby you could do something like a brawn and do something remarkable and win a world championship. Um, but it's not like that anymore. Formula One is about tiny little bits of improvement every day uh, across the board. And that's what everybody else is working to. Everyone else is investing in. That's why uh... there are so many people. And this is something that fans don't necessarily understand. How the hell do you employ a thousand people to produce two race cars? Just think about that. What do they all do? You know, and the answer is they all go chasing around after a, a thousandth of a second. So no one's like sitting there going, right, we're going to find the double diff diffuser like, like Braun did. Well, there's always somebody sitting there in a, in a, in a, a, a future development committee going, what could we do to, uh, how do we bend our way around the rules? There are people looking at that sort of side of it all, going, is there something miraculous that we can do that will make a difference? Um, and the answer is usually not. But we'll see. I mean, you know, generally speaking, the rate of development of all the teams, it's kind of like an arms race, a nuclear arms race. Everybody has about the same thing. <laughs> and to get ahead, you just have to um, really push hard. Excuse me. That's all right. Uh, the winter has I got a, to I Uncle Joe. I have a winter yeah. cold. Oh, and if you look on the YouTube, you can see Joe's winter coat as well. His winter beard. He's looking gruff and ready to go and chop some wood in the garden of his French castle. It is technically a castle. But Joe, um, <laughs> he's, he's struggling there. Um, so the franchise model is is interesting because this is, was my fear, was that the teams could sit there and and not have to be competitive, not have to worry about relegation. With Gene Haas, I mean, we're talking about his motivation. He's also got accountants on his shoulder as well, I suppose, saying, hey, look, you're, you're making money as is, like, relax. And then he's got the, the sporting side pushing against that. Well, it, it won't last for long because if there is a passenger team, there will be a rule fairly soon that will make, you know, 
it will be if you don't if you don't achieve enough you'll get slung out that that's what will ultimately happen but i think what will happen is is in the course of the next 5 years formula 1 will gradually edge out this kind of um hybrid model whereby everybody you know house can get by um buying stuff off other people and toro rosso or whatever it's called this week um will be um will be phased out cuz yeah. i don't think anybody wants the ability for somebody to own two franchises may I ask how i know they're, oh, not, really, I I know they're not really franchises but yeah um i think that's what's happening that's why red bull are investing in alfa tori or whatever it's going to be called um to give it more value so that at some point in the future they will sell it because they will be forced to sell it interesting so maria has got a question on those lines and says he gunter steiner got into f1 with a unique model does he still believe in it? And I guess that question could be applied to Gunter Steiner or or Gene Haas. So are they they they're betting everything on a model that is being actively phased out by F one? Yeah, but they got in. Mm. They got in eight years ago. Um, the world has changed. The world has moved on. They have to move on. Gene doesn't want to move on. Gunter does. And that's it. Really, at the end of the day, that's the only way of of really analysing it and saying this is probably what happened. But, you know, the the business model that they used to get in was very clever at the time, but it's not clever anymore. Otherwise, you know, Michael Andretti would have done it, wouldn't he? Mm. So I know you're above such gossip, Joe, but it's been Mm -hmm. widely reported that he wasn't even allowed to come in and and say goodbye. So, I mean, it it clearly got heated at some point. I I know Mm -hmm. the the mature thing to do would be to paint it as a a, over a cup of tea and then at the end of it, well, then we're agreed. We shall part ways. Well, hang on. Wasn't allowed to come and say goodbye where? This is a good point because Steiner is based in the US and I didn't realise that. He's in North Carolina. But wasn't that always going to be bad? Who's going to to fly across the Atlantic, walk into a place in Banbury, say goodbye and then fly back to the US? It doesn't make any sense, does it? Fair enough. Um, You know, he will... will, um, the fact that he didn't turn up at the meeting that announcing his departure is really not a surprise because is Gene going to pay his airfare? Don't. Is Gunter going to pay his airfare? Well, he's he's going to pay short, his airfare. He's not short of you a know. bob, is he? He's all right. I reckon he's yeah, but that, 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 you know, at the end of the day, why make up stories about the fact he wasn't allowed? You know, I it seems to be relatively amicable. It just seems to be that they have a difference of opinion. That's it. I don't see any sort of, you know, I don't see any chainsaws at dawn or anything like that. So the clip that I'm going to use for TikTok will be titled Saywood Slams Made Up Stories from Press Over Gunter Fallout. Well, define press. Um, no, I'm not going to say the names <laughs> out loud. OK, so to some, something more substantial, Toby asks, does Uncle Joe know what went on behind the scenes? And this is a good question from Toby. Also, what were the expectations on 2023 performance and how realistic were they? Well, I think the, the the car was quick on occasion. You can see that it qualified very well on occasion, but it never raced very well. So that would be because probably there are two things probably involved in that um, equation. One is the fact that, as we saw with Ferrari as well, um, it may be to do with, and also if you look also at the Alfa Romeos, you, that they all tended to fade in races. The engines may be part of that. Um, really? Certainly, the Ferrari engine seems to be able to be turned up a lot higher than the others when it gets into qualifying, when it becomes, you know, a super a super car, and then suddenly it fades away in races. So, there's an element of engine, I'm sure, and there's an element of tire wear, where some mm. cars are better than others on the tires. But it's true that you know Ferrari 
Alfa Romeo, as was now Sauber and Haas, all tended to fade in races. So um, I don't know the answer as to, as to you, know, you need the data to know uh, which of those was the important bit. But fundamentally, it wasn't a bad car. It just didn't get the results. The other thing to bear in mind is that it didn't drop to 10th until the very last couple of races when Alfa Tori suddenly you know, <laughs> went ballistic. A miracle. Causing much, much... Um, <laughs> unhappiness in the rest of the paddock because they went jumping from 10th to 7th or 6th or 6th wasn't it uh sorry 8th um they jumped up two places in the last few races by some fancy flaw which some of the other teams believed they couldn't possibly have made yeah. given their resources but you know the fia says it's okay so in theory that's okay Oh well then well that's the job of the fia we have to trust the fia or else Sports in really deep trouble if we don't trust the FIA. Now, there are some things going on at the FIA which make it perhaps less trustworthy, but that's another story, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they've had some new hires lately. It's all interesting. But, uh, but it's not so much the new hires, it's the departures more than yeah. anything else. I think mm-hmm. that's the key issue there. They've lost a lot of very good people. So um, you're, you're painting a picture of Haas being sort of unlucky. So I think the question people are... are sort I'm of... not saying it's unlucky at all. Oh. I'm saying that they were outsmarted by... Uh, whatever it was that Alpha Tori did, they got the points. Uh, Alpha Romeo scored some points at the start of the year and then just faded away to nothingness. Um, and to be honest, that's not really surprising um, in as much as uh, it's a kind of a team in drift for the next two years until Audi come in. And in fact, there can't be much um, impact from the Audi side until they have control of the team. Now, I'm sure that in the next week or so, or next month or so, there'll be an announcement about further equity changing hands um, and Audi increasing their share in the team. Maybe they won't announce it, but th- that seems to be the plan, that there will be a gradual shift. Um, but they won't have control until at least at least the start of next year, if not the start of 26. We don't really know, because they don't announce yeah. these things. We we only, you know, we, we have it based on on our sources who tell us things that are usually true, but well, not always. My favorite source is Joe Saywood's uh, newsletter that is available mm-hmm. to be purchased from your website. If you search for uh, JSBM Joe Saywood magazine newsletter. There you go. That's true. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's where you're, it's where you're most likely to find the stuff. And if you, if you look at the website, you'll see all the people who read it. It's actually quite impressive. In fact, Gunter, <laughs> Gunter, um, uh, de- um, he he assigned his book to me saying to the guy who wanted me to buy his newsletter, it'll never happen. <laughs> but it did. Yeah. In fact, that, he said to me yesterday, he said, I can't afford your newsletter anymore. Now I'm out of work. And I laughed at him and I said, of course you can. You're, you're very wealthy and don't be silly. Uh, and um, it, yeah, he didn't argue with that. So Full disclosure, you are kind enough to supply me with a, with a copy when you print it. But it is uh, it is ahead of the curve when it comes to the news cycle and i do use it to occasionally feel very smug about a piece of information um but yeah you, you are very much talking to the industry but also you know listening i, I bet you get ripped off it's quite also a lot. about analysis it's not yeah. just about yes it is about breaking news but it's also about anal- analyzing the news that's, that's coming out so people understand why it's happening and that's just as important to be honest as as being the news breaker you know getting there first of all yeah, it's you know why did that happen? Why has that happened? So we're doing that now. In effect, we're explaining why Gunter Steiner has left. Yeah, um, and you know that'll be in the newsletter. Uh, we also have, you know, this week there's lots of things happening. Williams have got a new Mercedes deal, and 
the FIA situation is still going on. So there's, you know, weekly, there's always a lot happening. <laughs> I think because you give me the the copies and email them to me, I think that this counts as a paid promotion. <laughs> uh, but seriously, it is worth checking out if you're, you know, if you're a bit of a, an F1 uh, news geek. And uh, yeah, breaking... if you want to go down the pub and impress everybody there with that in-depth knowledge, this is the easy way to do it. And the thing is, I, I sometimes have to remember, right, did Joe say that or is it out in the world because I don't want to do the scoops anymore. We used to get cheeky and like if we got a bit of information, we'd like try and scoop it. And like we saw the F1 subreddit uh, going mad in the morning because they'd clearly got a leak from a journalist where um, about the Gunter Steiner story. Um, but I'd been speaking to uh, a person at Has. So I got told it and I didn't even realize there was like it was a secret. So I just started tweeting it and people were responding going, what? Where's this from? And I went, oh, no. And I quickly, hastily deleted the tweet. Because at my level, Joe, if I say something like that, everyone just says, you're lying, shut up. So there's no benefit for me. But for you, yeah, well, you're well, a trusted to, source. To, to, to give you the, the full explanation of what happened is that we, we received a, uh, the journalists uh, on the house mailing list received a, a press release in the morning, yesterday morning, um, under embargo. We were embargoed until 5 p.m. G- GMT to stop the story leaking before it came out. Um, we all knew about it, but we couldn't use it. And so it gave us time to prepare articles. So if you look at five o'clock, you'll find all these in-depth articles all pop up at the same time yes. because people have been yeah. sitting there for hours working out what it all means. Um, and so, you know, in, it, I guess that's there are several advantages of teams doing that. One is it, it stops the regular press from, from breaking the story early. Is it you're sort of you're sort of roped into the embargo. You don't get a choice as whether you want to um, have an embargo or not. You're just given it, and you have to you have to respect it, which is fair enough. Um, the fact that Reddit and people like that um, res- respond to it, um, somebody somewhere broke that embargo. Um, well, we don't know who, <laughs> but it, it, you know that's that's why teams have to be very careful. And I expect they'll be looking at it, going, "Who the hell put that onto Reddit?" Um, the minute you have a a, um, uh, a team meeting, for example, they made an announcement at about 4.30 yesterday afternoon that Gunter was leaving. And that basically made it public because um, people then, everyone at House tweeted their mate and said, yeah, guess what's happened? Yeah, that's what happened to me as well. And so there was <laughs> half an hour in which the press, the, the, uh, the regular F1 mm-hmm. press had to wait when it was actually out there public information. Um, but we did because that's you know that's what um, they expect us to do, and that is what the correct thing to do is. Uh, and if you don't play by the rules, uh, it, it it does impact on you later on. I so. will respect uh, embargoes in exchange for paddock passes. If anyone's listening, so uh, we've got some great questions coming up. Like, what is Gunter Steiner going to do next? Uh, obviously, he's got a replacement coming in. Um, I'm quite surprised though that nobody in our patron chat asked the very, very simple question about the Haas 10th place season. Whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? So who was to blame, Joe? And how much of a an element was Gunter Steiner and what Gunter Steiner did? You know, was he... Was he? Because the, the, the chat that I've seen in some articles is basically that Gene Haas thinks that there's low-hanging fruit and that it's underperformed with its resources. And I'm guessing Gunter Steiner would argue that he was doing the best with what he had available. I'd agree with both of those arguments. Um, you know, I think that the team did a decent job. It's not a it's not a bad car. If you look at where it qualified on occasion, it was it's a quick car. It had two decent drivers in it. 
didn't produce much in the way of results. So at the end of the day, when you judge somebody for finishing 10th in Formula One, you've got to remember that all top 10 teams are pretty ace organizations. It's just the order they finish in makes the difference. So, you know, if at the last races, you know, if Haas had finished 8th as opposed to 10th, Alfa Romeo had been last, uh, Williams, whoever, you know, th- th- that that mm. little group at the back. Um, <clears throat> on paper, it looks bad if you finish last, but you're not that far off ninth. So I don't think that's really an issue. I think it's to do with... Um, I think it's to do with... Um, it's to do with the resources. That's, you know, if you look at what Williams has been doing, building up um, people, resources, machines, everything, that's what you have to do. And I so if you're going to blame anybody. Oh, yes, um, please. You, well, you can't really blame anybody. Oh. I mean, it's Gene Haas has spent an absolute fortune building that team. And this is where people shouldn't knock him because, you know, it's all very well to say, well, Gene Haas, so I read somewhere, so I mean, Gene Haas is a disgrace to Formula One. Uh, he's not doing the job properly. Well, hang on a minute. He's probably spent 100, 200, 300, 400, half a billion on that team, at least half a billion. Now, there's a business model for it. You know, he's he's selling machine tools around the world. Fair enough, but he's still invested that money. And we should respect the fact he's invested that money. You know, he likes racing, but... Would you put in that much money to run a racing team? Yes, I yes I would. If you had that much money? No, I would play golf and um, exactly buy VR so, systems. You know, let's not knock him. He he may not have a a realistic view of how things should be done. That's another question. Um, but he's he's the boss. He's the owner. It's up to him. It's his to- it's his train set. If he wants to throw the train set in the trash, that's his problem. The fact is, the train set has value, even if it, if even, even bits of it are broken. You know, so um, he can sell it, but he doesn't want to sell it. He wants to hang on. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. If I had that much money, I would buy a taco restaurant and 
fully staffed and kitted out as if it was like a public restaurant, but only I was allowed in there. So it would feel like I was the only customer every time and I would just eat all the tacos. Right. Focus on Gunter Steiner, the man. So Mike Irwin asks, where is Gunter going to go next? He's been somewhat uniquely placed in this F1 circus as the star of Netflix. And and all sporting stuff aside, he has become a, a phenomenon for the sport of Formula One over the last few years. That's actually the biggest story of what happened yesterday, is the fact that Gunter Steiner is Formula One's biggest star who doesn't drive. Mm. And without him, Formula One is going to suffer. A lot of people watch Drive to Survive because of Gunter Steiner. And, you know, some of the other team principals are really wallpapery in comparison to Gunter. Um, and, you know, we need to have people like Gunter. So, um, you know, they're colourful, they're, they're, they're crazy, but that's what made him popular. That's what makes him Gunter Steiner. Now, Formula One can't really afford to lose him, so I expect to see him doing stuff with Formula One. Mm. Um, but, you know, if he wants to have a bit of time off as well, why not? You know, he's been 10 years literally flying around the world uh, from his various places of residence. And, uh, you know, he has a family and he has a life and um, he he needs to have a bit of time to do his own thing as well. So, you know, I expect to see him somewhere in the course of the year. I I expected I I expect that Netflix won't be happy. And I'm Mm. sure that Stefano Domenicali won't be happy that Gunter's not there anymore. And perhaps they'll find him an ambassadorial road. Maybe he'll be, you know, maybe he'll be opening supermarkets or something. I mean, I'm kidding. But, you know, he um, there may be some sort of ambassadorial thing. Uh, he may have other plans. He may he may think, well, you know, one day all this can be mine. You know, if, and take if, over the world. If he was wanting to do guest speaker stuff, of course, he'd command an absolutely out, outstanding rate, I'm sure. And tell him that if he wants to advertise his public speaking business, he's welcome to drop into the shed. Very good. Yes, no. uh, I shall. I shall mention it forthwith and immediately. Yes. It will be your number one priority when you're next it over is, at the yes, Steiners. For, for no tea. question about it. Uh, I can really see him popping up as a Sky Sports type pundit and being there in races. You know, maybe not this season, but in future seasons, he does seem to have that that personality where you know he'd fit into that kind of F1 zoo, if you like. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine some of the TV companies being keen to get hold of him. Um. But we'll see. Maybe he doesn't want to do the same amount of travelling as he's done in the past. You know, we'll mm. have to see. But you know, Gunter's not a—he's not an unambitious fellow. He believes in—he believes that he can achieve more in Formula One. So you know, I'm ah. not sure he'd be satisfied with any of this stuff. I'm not sure he'd be satisfied with ambassadorships or whatever. You know, I can see him sort of ferreting away, trying to find a way to get in as a team boss again. Um, what's really interesting about the Haas situation is that they've appointed a team principal without sort of shopping around, yeah. you know, because there are guys out there who are trained to do it and they've just gone for an internal hire, which is interesting. Mm. I'm not saying it's a bad choice. I'm just saying it's interesting that they didn't shop around. Uh, we've definitely got some questions on the new team principal there, but do you, do you think Gunter Steiner thinks of himself like, yeah, I, I could go and do a job at McLaren. I could go and rescue the Alpine ship. Oh, I don't know if he necessarily thinks that way. Uh, I don't think he necessarily would like to work for anybody. I think oh. I think that that's that that's the thing about you know Steiner he's, he's had with Gene. Mm. I think he's he's been in the best possible situation because he's basically had his own team. Okay, he doesn't own it, 
but it but it has been like an owner um and so going to work for somebody else is probably not that appealing because then he'd be in the same boat as before so you know maybe he maybe he just you know he's very popular and he's very powerful um in as much as he is you know his his brand value i think it'd be interesting to watch what happens with moneygram for example why is moneygram at Haas? that Haas because of Haas, really good point. rather Haas because of Gunter Steiner. I happen to think that it's that it's to do with Gunter Steiner more than it is to do with with Haas. So MoneyGram are really all over the content space and the digital content space in Formula One. You know, sponsoring segments for digital content creators, bringing on influencers and stuff like that. So they really are that kind of personality, commercial focused sponsor rather than just buying their executive box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm. Okay, cool. Well, uh, let's see. There's, we've got some great questions there. I, I am sure that Gunter Steiner will be okay. <laughs> yes, he's certainly got options there as well. And Joe refuses to assign blame for the 10th place with Haas. So um, let's move on a little bit. So we've got EJ here who asks, what does Joe think of the promotion of Komatsu to team principal? So there have been some comments in Danish media, according to EJ, that says that perhaps he is um, he is kind, he is nice, but does he have that kind of killer personality to be a team principal? Obviously, there's a, a cultural difference. He's unlikely to be a, a cockney wide boy, but of what you know of him, outside of how he appeared on DTS, does he have the temperament to be a team principal? I've seen him and Gunter having real ding-dong battles <laughs> okay. together. Good. You know, and and you know, shouting at each other. Um, so I, I don't think he's a pushover. You know, Japanese people tend to have this sort of reputation yeah. for being nice and lovely and quiet and and all the rest of it, but that's not always true. <laughs> and if you push them hard enough, they can get. I used to work for a Japanese magazine for years, and I used to know there's a point at which you don't push beyond, at which you get pushed back big time. Um, and so they're just you. You have to. You have to. Um, uh, be careful how you handle him. Now, the other thing is that you know he's now uh, forty-seven years old, and he's been in in the UK for thirty years. Right, he spent eighteen years in Japan growing yeah. up, and then he left. And so he's very he's very anglicised, if you like. Loughborough University, um, I think, as well. Indeed, but mm. even before then, he he arrived in England and uh, not even speaking English. So he went to a language school for the first um, period. Then he was around. And then he was working in, in the university and, and getting a PhD as well and working in Formula 3 and stuff like that. So he's a very driven guy. Um, now, is he the answer to taking Haas to the front of the grid? Probably not. But who knows? We'll see. Uh, that's that's great because I think the the problem that you saw on Drive to Survive was that he appeared to be a little bit more passive to Gunter Steiner. But Gunter Steiner was obviously, and I don't mean, don't mean this as an insult, he was very clearly playing up to the camera to some extent or you know and was and was that kind of forthright personality not everyone is like that when a camera is there in the I'm meeting room I'm not sure that Gunter is actually ever playing up to Do the camera think? that is that is Gunter that's amazing he's always been like that even before the cameras came along <laughs> he was always like that so i i don't think the cameras made much of a difference to be honest i think you know that's that's what makes him uh so popular is that he's authentic People like authentic people, and you know why is he more why is he more popular than I don't know Christian Horner on Drive uh, to Survive? No, it's a good question. Why is he more popular than Christian Horner? Is yeah. it because people 
people think he's more authentic than Christian Horner? Yeah, well, definitely Christian Horner and Toto Wolff really played to the cameras. I don't think that's controversial, is it? No, I don't think I don't <gasps> think Toto does. Really, <laughs> to oh. the same to the extent to which you think so. Oh. That's also Toto has this this side to him as well. The same kind of what what you see is what you get. Christian's a little bit more play to the cameras, I would say. <laughs> um, you know, sort of riding horses around his estate and this sort of stuff. It's uh. all a bit, <clears throat> it's all a bit unrealistic, isn't it? Um, you know, but uh, I, I think Toto is he is as he seems to be, pretty much. Mm. Well, yeah, I think, and I, I do not. I don't actually mind that about Horner a lot because if it is a TV program, trying to be interesting on a TV program isn't the biggest sin in the world. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, Gunter did stuff that, um, you know, he climbed mountains on Drive to Survive and he drove around in a Fiat 127 with, with Binotto, this kind of stuff. But that's probably stuff he would have done anyway. You know, not necessarily with a with a, with a a Fiat, but, you know. <laughs> um, these these are things, he's a mountain man, you know. Um, and uh, they, they, they live in the mountain, men are strange, you know. <laughs> they have, they have less oxygen up there. Good. Oh, that's good. And hello to all our mountain dwelling listeners. Um, <laughs> make sure you like and subscribe the the videos, whether you're a mountain person or not. So, but getting back to uh, Komatsu, so he's very clearly an experienced guy in F1, has been senior at Haas for a long time. But as you said earlier, they didn't look around for a team principal. And so for, for a lot of people, that might seem like an unimaginative hire. Yeah. Right. That's fair enough. Oh. I mean, unimaginative, you know, do you really, if you're Gene House, what do you want? You want stability because stability usually leads to growth in theory. Uh, do you want to bring an outsider in who's going to take a year to settle in? Do you want to do a Fred Vassar routine um, or not? You know, I think, I, I don't think, I think in some teams you need to, you need to promote from within. It's just more sensible. Um, is that the case with Haas? I don't know. Haas is a difficult thing because it's not one base. It's, yes. it's three different places. So Can you know, how much that? time does Gunter spend in the factory yeah. in North Carolina, in in um, in uh, Banbury, or in uh, Maranello? Because, you know, the design office is on the Ferrari campus. Yeah, which will surprise no one who didn't already know that. But the... there's also Delara, too. I mean, you yes. know, there's also the production area where they do that. So... You know, it, it's a weird team in that respect. So how much really changes then with, with, with Steiner gone if he's not day-to-day in Banbury? Well, we'll see how much changes by the number of people who leave, won't we? Um, if people aren't, aren't convinced by the new um, business model and there are other jobs available, that's the other key point. People don't leave unless there are other jobs available. But just give it about six months and see how many people leave Haas and you'll know, um, you know to the extent to which... Um, that was a popular move. All right. And I, I do appreciate, Joe, that you're you're jumping in. It's not necessarily a work day for you. We were all trying to hibernate for the winter, but the, the news cycle bites when the news cycle bites. I've got a couple more listener questions here. So uh, Milos asks, with Gunther Steiner gone, how secure are Kevin Magnussen and Nico Hulkenberg's seats? Was there any tie-in, any personal tie-in? Well, I think there's a level of personal um, feeling among a driver and a team principal. It, it, it depends to some extent what uh, the new team principal thinks. He was a, he was big friends with Roman Grosjean, for example, and before that with Takuma Sato. 
So, you know, people have their favorites and they, and they see things that others don't necessarily see. Uh, and Gene Haas, obviously, he has a, a voice in it all as well because he's a man who pays the bills. So um, we'll have to see how that works. But they're a good they're a good pair of they're a good pair of drivers. They're not necessarily the world's greatest, but they are very, very good drivers. And, you know, give them a car and they'll use it. Well, one thing to say about that model is that at least those are two rated, you could argue journeyman drivers, but they haven't gone down a Logan Sargent or Lance Stroll route. Well, I think that's very unkind to Logan Sargent. Oh, I forgot we argue about this. Okay, okay, a pay driver route or a route where they financially benefit from a a driver being at the team. No, I I think that the team, basically, that's true about Haas. I don't think the team benefits enormously from either of the drivers, you know, but if you apply the fact that uh, sponsors follow drivers around, you you know, you could end up calling Fernando Alonso a pay driver or Sergio Perez, couldn't you? So it's a bit silly to do that. Saywood says Alonso is pay driver in shocking no, shed I, I revelation. Don't say that at that all. I'm in just the edit, in the edit, if you're defining, if you're defining a pay driver by somebody whose sponsors follow him around, um, you could use that expression. But it doesn't seem like it wouldn't Haas be right, of go, course. But it doesn't it seem like Haas right. go for the mo- that model, that model of which I think we can but agree. He's already exists. been down that route. Yes, he's been Mazepin. down that route with um, Mazepin and with Schumacher. They got money for both of those drivers, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So they said, "Okay, well, let's not do it that way. Let's do it a sensible way. Get experienced, solid drivers who know where we stand, and that's what they got." All right. Uh, the, the last questions that the patrons want to ask are all really about the future of of Haas, if there even is one. And I think the lowest hanging fruit is, is the team going to be for sale at some point? With Andretti floating around, there is a cash-in option for Gene Haas. There is always a cash-in option for Gene Haas, and obviously the value of the team's gone up, but it's never going to be the same value as the other teams because it doesn't have the same stuff. So... Um, if you want to get your foot in the door and convince Gene that it's worth selling, um, then do it. But thus far, nobody's done it. Mm. So, and, and I believe he's been offered a lot of money that would value the team you know, at a very sensible level, um, the same kind of level as Alpine or these kind of, of valuations. Um, and, you know, that is... Um, that's not to be sneezed at. But if you're a billionaire, you look at the world in a different way, I guess. When you're looking at buying a team, like what, what is it that you're actually buying? Because I've heard the Banbury site described as basic, not, not my words. Um, but isn't it more important that you, you're buying the entry? Yes, the entry yeah. is where the value really is. You're basically buying your way into prize money. Yeah. Um, you're buying your way into prize money. And then to win more prize money, you've got to upgrade stuff. You've got to hire the good people and build the right machinery. So, and, you know, it's a big difference between finishing 10th and finishing 1st. There's, there's uh, tens of millions of dollars. Well, more than that, actually. In terms of when you boil it all down, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. I think what I'm trying to sort of drive at and find out in my head, you know, is is the Gene Haas model about a long-term future in F1 or, or is it an accountant with a ledger book? So, like, their relationship with Ferrari and Delara, is, is that under any threat of changing? No, it's that not about solid? accountants. It's not about that. It's about Gene's desire to be a Formula One team owner. And I think he honestly does believe, because he's an engineer who's achieved remarkable things, 
that they can achieve remarkable things. I don't think that's necessarily the right way of looking at it anymore, but who knows? You know, there's always a little bit of a magical tweak somewhere. But the way the sport is, magical tweaks are less common. Now, we haven't had a magical tweak in Formula One that wasn't cheating <laughs> since 2009 when we had the Braun team. What, what about Ferrari's ability to get yes, engine there performance? We are. Well, let's move swiftly on from that, shall we? <laughs> that was without cheating, wasn't it, allegedly, Joe? Well, that's that's for you to allege, I suppose. Oh, darn. And, uh, day 742 of trying to get Joe sued, and it, and it hasn't worked. All right. <laughs> Going forward, then, obviously, oh, the boring answer is that we don't know, and we'll have to see how it goes. But that organisation No, now... I think the boring answer is that it probably won't go very well. Right. That's what I was going to ask. We're being nice to him at the moment. Hmm. Being nice to who? To Gene Haas? Yeah. Yeah. Give him the benefit of the doubt because, you know, as I said, what you have to respect a man who's put that much money into the sport. Yeah. I don't I, think he's right, but that's his money. I've actually got a, his choice. technical staffing questions here to get into my head how much the organisation has changed. So, <laughs> uh, Resta was, mm-hmm. was, the, was a very senior engineer and obviously... The technical director. He was the technical boss. Yeah. Wow. And then obviously... Uh, Komatsu has to be replaced as well, and he was the trackside boss. Well, he was, yeah, basically. He's, he's, he, he was bigger than that. He, 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 was, he was kind of uh, Gunter's deputy, if you like. Mm. But, they're, you know, they're, apparently they're going to import, uh, appoint a CEO as well to look after the business side of it. So it said in the press release I read. Um, which is fine. I mean, yeah, they can find some business guy. Mm. Um, and if you look at some of the other teams, they're going down that route too. So, okay, but it just it just looks like you know they have. If you're looking at a team that finished tenth anyway, and then you look at their prospects going forward, having lost significant senior staff, and if if they lose any more, uh, that will obviously we we don't know if that will there's some fallout over the next few days and weeks. It it certainly isn't the best way to start the season. No, it's not. But teams teams lose staff all the time. It's, it's not, you know, if you wanted to focus on Ferrari and say, well, this guy's gone, this guy's gone, sure. whatever. If you wanted to focus on any of the teams and dig into it, you'll find people who've left and you find people who have joined. And the question is whether that balance is, is positive or negative. And you, and you won't know that for two or three years. So it's very difficult to, to say um, with any certitude that this is a good thing or this is a bad thing. You know, some people say that McLaren hiring all these people is not necessarily a good thing. Some people say it's fantastic, but we'll have to see. Time will tell. I want to be a fly on the wall in the the Drive to Survive Netflix office when they found that news out. Are they suddenly like rehashing cuts now so that you can see this sinister tone of friction building throughout the season? It's a bit late to be rehashing. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what they do actually. Um, but they don't have an awful lot of editing time because it's been due to come out in about a month, I think. So <laughs> to get everything done in the That's time available, it may be that they'll just end the season and, and you know, the Gunter story will move on to next season. But right now there isn't a next season, I don't think. Mm. Um, and this may impact on that. You know, if they've, if they've lost the biggest star of the show, uh, does Netflix think that this will keep, the show will keep going? I mean, they've lost lots of people in the past um, who who played roles in Drive to Survive. It's part of the nature of Formula One that people come and go. But Gunter's been there from the start. Um, and, you know, Gunter, I think, is was the third 
longest serving team principal um, until recently. And now, of course, Franz Tost has gone and Gunter's gone. So there's only there's only Christian Horner now, who is the longest serving team principal. And after him, it's a very long drop to the next one. I'd have to think very hard if I can. It'd probably be must be getting down towards Zach Brown by now, I should think. Joe Saywood, I know you've got some maintenance to do on your French chateau and you've got to keep that stream free of the wild antelope that roam on your land. So I'll let you go, but make sure you follow Antelopes, Uncle Joe. Honestly. Is it was it uh, sorry, is it bison? It's bison. But follow it's caribou, caribou caribou. Follow yeah. Joe at the links that I will put in the show notes below. He does the green notebook, which is a travelogue come uh, come uh, blog which is a blog it's not it's it's like a travel log i like it because it puts you into like i'm at the airport eating crisps and i feel nice because i like crisps it's that kind of thing isn't it (laughs) no it's that thrilling yeah thanks for that the green notebook is one of the best (laughs) things in in formula one journalism to to read of course the newsletter is uh uh, early news and and analysis analysis before other people get it at a price it has to be said and consider subscribing to joe's gp plus magazine where you get a full race review document and other beautiful things and pictures delivered in a pdf within about six hours of the race ending joe yeah that's about it it's not bad that's why i have gray hair yeah and well you know just just for just for men everybody chip in and then joe can afford some just for men to to return to his golden black locks i don't even know what just for men is but i'll take your word for it hair dye i think that spells to me that a i'm not good at podcasting in the morning and b it is time to go so wherever you are work hard be kind and have fun this was an emergency band meeting in the shed with uncle joe and me spanners i'm the best one i never said it was me at the beginning of the show ah now no one will know who was asking joe questions i'll have to edit it in hi i'm spanners I go on the internet and say what I reckon about stuff. And it's a model that is inexplicably doing fine. And goodbye. Marvellous. Okay, I've got to go make lunch. <laughs> Excellent. The All staff right, is oh, yeah, the, the staff. staff. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 